Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello everyone, three rounds into the Allianz Football League and things are really beginning to take shape. Lee Keegan and Eamon Fitzmaurice are with myself and Rory to look back on what was a pretty decent weekend of football action. The headlines from Division 1 then, David Clifford kicking a last minute winner for Kerry in what was another tight affair with Mayo. Seven points from Conor Callahan as the dubs easily accounted for a struggling Roscommon. A huge two points for Galway in Oma and a massive win for Derry over their Ulster rivals Monaghan. Let's start with that one in Tralee then. Probably the most exciting game of the weekend, lads, I think. And I would say, Eamon, a lot of relieved bodies to get out of Tralee with the victory after you just, you can't do anything other than tight affairs between these two teams. Yeah, no, absolutely, Jackie. I think, look, Mayo would have been delighted to have got a draw out of it or even they could have stolen it at the end because they had possession leading into that um, that shot that uh, Rory Brickenden had. But um, Kerry B would have been disappointed, I would say, with a point and they would have been gutted to have lost it because they, they played a lot of the football. But in fairness to Mayo, they really went after it. And particularly when they went down to 14 men, you have to give the massive credit the way they fought back and... They'd, Kerry didn't score for, for 10 minutes there at the end of the game until David's match-winning score. So uh, great credit to both teams. It was, I know you were there as well, Lee. I don't know what yeah. you thought. It was a kind of a funny game in that there was an absolutely massive crowd there, but the atmosphere was quite flat. And first, half, crowd, first half particularly, I thought, because yeah. the game was lacking something. I, I don't know what it was. I think because Kerry were very dominant first half. Uh, and they missed about 1-7 and people were nearly waiting for Mayo for, for something to kick in and, and it never really came to be honest and, and as a result there was no real spark um, and then second half I think Mayo decided to to actually play more to their strengths and, and of course carry a bit more more of their hand I think as a result so first half I find a bit bizarre because it, the, the thing I found bad was a lot of the mistakes came from simple skill like execution like hand pass or kick pass particularly from Mayo and they were nearly feeding Kerry every time for, for, for attacking. So, and fair, as you said, Kerry played a lot of that football in the first half, but just didn't get the rewards on the scoreboard. So I think it was lacking something in the first half. And then second half, then once Mayo went at them, I think uh, we got definitely a bit more uh, life into the game in particular. Mm. Eamon, at the end of the game, you were on CoCom and mentioning about game management. You know, this is something that we see with teams, just their ability to close it out. Some lessons for Mayo coming away from that one? I think so, Jackie. Look, even Jack, Jack mentioned afterwards about how that they had learned from the night of the, the Derry game and that it was something they'd worked on, those kind of situations. But Mayo, you know, the game was level. They were in possession. Um, they would, they'd have had one eye on the clock. And what you'd see most teams at this stage now doing there is just eat up the clock, work uh, work it, tie your, your David Clifford, get it into the hands of a Killian O'Connor, Ryan O'Donoghue, have a shot and basically have it at the full-time whistle. But um, when the ball was kicked into Rory Brickenden, he took the mark. It's almost like an instinctive thing that he felt he had to take the mark because he caught it inside there, whereas he'd been probably better off if he'd just played on. He might have been able to get closer to goal and get fouled are certainly recycled because he didn't really want to have a cut of the post. And in fairness to him, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that far wide, but you could see that he didn't want to ha have to go. And 
then like you are giving the ball back to 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 Kerry. They are going to get the kick out of the way, especially when it's fifteen against fourteen. And in fairness to Mayo, they they actually stayed pushed up, which uh, you know again in hindsight you would have said maybe Drop they should off. have just given it up and dropped back into shape. Um, now they nearly turned over Gavin Wise. Gavin did actually Spurs, very yeah. well. Yeah, he did very well. Jordan Flynn put serious pressure on him. Gavin did well to retain possession. Um, so you could be having a very different conversation then if he if he had managed under uh, turn him over. But I felt that um, Mayo, when they look at us, they'll say maybe we should have not taken the shot in the first place that soon, and maybe secondly, when we did take the shot, retreat back into shape and make sure that it's really blocked up behind there and that. You're not getting a situation where David Clifford manages to get a one and one and kicks a great score. Now, from the Kerry perspective, it was very good and they they managed it well and they managed to get David into the bit of space. And it was still a tough kick for him. I know we're we're so used to seeing him kicking those scores now, we take it for granted. But at the end of 75, 80 minutes of football, into a stiff enough breeze. Um, and with what was at stake, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a gimme by any manner of means, but um that's that's where we, we kind of take it for granted almost at this stage with David. The, the, the one thing I'd say, and I probably from my perspective, is I accept totally. The one thing, Rick, he shouldn't have marked it, I agree, uh, but he was looking for someone to come short to him. Yeah. Well, and the, my other problem would be is that if you look at Clifford, he was at the halfway line in the 74th minute, I think it was. You know, a, a more experienced team like a Derry, I think, or something like that would would probably have held David Clifford because they know that's the guy they want to get in a shot. Okay, that granted, but then he was quite free taking the shot as well, which would be disappointing because I thought Mayo defense did really well for a lot of the game. Um, they just didn't. Put what you're saying is you would have held him, Lee. You're <laughs> saying, really, the wine well, in Derry, the wine in Derry, you you would have cut on him and just I, not let him go. I think well, it's it's just it's just you're on a bit carry seeing out that game really well, and that that's really smart. But from a Mayo point of view, I would be disappointed how to finish that game. Uh, as you said, get a point from a Mayo perspective would have been really good because uh, I don't know if they deserved it for a lot of the performance. Uh, yeah, they hung in there for long periods, which which is brilliant for Mayo, and they'll take a lot of positive from that. But as I said when I seen David Clifford at the halfway line, I thought there's an opportunity now. Just get hands on him; he's the guy they want. Uh, him or Sean O'Shea is, is the right now shooters. They're big match uh, players to take that shot. So, and even in the manner, yeah, it was a really tough kick. I agree, but I, I, I still think he got too much time where he took the shot from. Uh, and granted, I, I said Mayo defense had been really good up for a lot of that part, but um, that that review from Kevin and the defensive side of stuff would probably irk them a little bit. Uh, and in the manner had they lost that then as a result. Mm. Game of the weekend, though, Rory, for all of those. Big to oh yes. Yeah, like I, for me, Jackie, it's two of the top teams in the country yeah. playing in arguably one of the best stadiums for Saturday night football when there's a big crowd like there was, great atmosphere. Yeah, the caliber, people can talk about the standard and the caliber, but like it was still winter football and we have to give that uh, a big shout out. I I thought it was great stuff to watch for this time of the year. I think both teams will take oodles from it. Um. The one one thing that I thought was interesting was, and maybe it's not that interesting, was Aiden O'Shea wasn't too happy coming off and he was kind of shaking his head and I was kind of saying to myself, mm, you know, you have to be careful here. Kevin, well, Kevin is a good man for the arm around his shoulder. Kevin is ar- an army man. And so discipline can be a big thing. And I think Aiden also probably is heading into a stage of his career where maybe he probably needs to understand that 
he's not going to be 75, 80 minute man anymore. And if he wants to prolong his career, maybe it's a wiser course of action to use him sparingly because he does make a big difference. Midfield didn't really seem to be a huge factor because ball keepers seem to go short quite a lot. Um, but I think, look, it was a hugely impressive party. He was my man of the match. I know they gave it to David and understandably, I just think when Paddy Clifford is on song, he makes Kerry hum. Big issue, I suppose, from Kerry's perspective, really, is they have a couple of issues that were they looking to try and solve Joe O'Connor. I think is certainly fitting into that role at midfield quite well. With Dermot, I think they'll be a good file for each other. Yeah, Kerry will be the team to beat. There's no doubt about it. And um, Mayo will be right up there as well. One interesting aside... I thought it wasn't a particularly good weekend for umpires. We had an umpire in the Dublin match who I think he slipped twi- twice when he was trying to run around for the flag. And I think t- I think the umpire in the carry intrally forgot to wave the flag for Fergal for- Boland's point. But um, I, I think he was too busy admiring it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was such a, it was such a good score. Maybe he was. He was going, wow, you know. He was but, uh, um, It was uh, no, it was a fantastic game of football. Right, and... you know, you know, it was interesting actually. Before the game, a lot of the talk was around how Kevin approaches game because he had four points on the board. Would he look at last year as a factor? Mm-hmm. And I suppose the big thing we took away was you know Roy Brickington and Sam Callan were named to play. Ty Durkin had mm-hmm. picked up a nickel during the week, so. There was a lot of talk. We'll, we may just go down and try and be competitive. That was completely wiped when he named Brickington, when he named um, Sam Callan. Uh, he went down there to get points. That wasn't there just to put in a performance and come away with maybe uh, obviously the loss. But my point was they went there to win that game. Um, mm. Solely, there was no none of this talk about, and that that was clear from Kevin. So I think all this talk about you know last year versus this year, Kevin set us all out there at the weekend that he he really wanted to win that game against Gary. Mm. And I think as well, Jackie, one final point. I do think Mayo have a fantastic ability so far that they've shown this year in the league to hang around games that where they're not playing particularly well and still eke out, you know, a good result, good performance. We saw it against Dublin where I felt Dublin were maybe the better side over the 70 odd minutes. Again, on Saturday night, I thought Kerry were actually a better team over the course of the whole game. But they gave themselves a chance by hanging in there. And that, to me, shows a great sign of spirit and character and the fact that they will be a big, big player come summertime. Yeah, Kevin looked, I mean, it, it, even his body language after the game suggested that. I don't, I think he'll be happy enough with what he saw on yeah. Saturday. Let's talk about the dubs then, guys, because look, apart from the poor Al umpires being uh, busy there, you know, <laughs> I think Cora Staunton alluded to this last night, Eamon, seeing Conal Callahan in full flight, in oh, full yeah. forward for Dublin seems to be where they got good access. Now, you might talk about Ross Common's defence, which is a whole other ball game, literally, in some ways. But I think seeing him closer to the post, maybe we're getting an uh, an insight into what Dublin are looking at now. They might have put nine on his back, but there's no way we're going to see him anyway too far from the goal this year. No, no, definitely not, uh, Jackie. Look, I think um, I think Desi mentioned it after the game himself that... <clears throat> by necessity and a lack of bodies, that he had to play further out the field against uh, Mayo the night in, in Castlebar. But, um, look, I think the key with Conan's side is to supply him. That, you yeah. know, if it's it's all well and good saying play him close to goal. He, he has been playing close to goal the last couple of seasons and he hasn't quite hit the heights that we know he's capable of. But he's been starved of possession. And a lot of the times he's getting the ball, he's just on the loop, he's playing little one-twos, out towards the 15 side in particular and trying to get a bit of space. But the last night we saw a willingness, particularly in the first half, even if it didn't come off 100% and he was pulled a couple of times for freeze, 
you know, borderline unlucky maybe. Uh, Brian Stack was clever, particularly for the second one. But, um, you know, trying to mark Conor Callan in that situation, if he's getting a good supply of ball inside, he's very, very hard to deal with. And then when you have the likes of Sean Bugler playing the way he played outside and breaking the line and bringing that running game as well, it gives defences... You can't sit back in front of Khan because you're going to have the likes of Bugler driving forward. You push out and Bugler and then you put the ball into Khan. It's it's a great mix for the dubs to have. And I think in fairness to the dubs the last night as well, the likes of Ross McGarry in particular and Larkin O'Dell as well. But Ross McGarry, you know, he's been hanging around the scene now for a couple of years. This is probably his third, maybe even fourth year getting kind of regular enough starts and regular enough game time. So it was good for him as well that he played he played like he belonged maybe a bit on Saturday evening. He played with a bit of confidence and we saw more of what he's about. And uh, I think that was a big positive for the dubs as well. Yeah. I can, I can all attest to seeing Con inside. It's, it's a, it's a frightful prospect, but as you said, like the thing is, if he given the right delivery and not even the right one all the time, but just give him half decent ball and you're in a one, one position, it, it's a frightful sight. It really is. And, and, the best example in the first half, he actually stepped right stack once and he did well initially, but he stepped in a second time and burnt him on the inside. You know, that's the sign of a guy that wants the ball inside, wants getting out one-on-one positions. And, and I know it's, it's a simple game, but when that's work for Dublin, it, everything seems to flow as a result. He has an uncanny knack, Lee, to stop dead so quickly and turn. Yeah. And yeah. you know the way, like, a lot of players, if they're looking to stop, they might need two or three steps to slow down, depending on your weight. And yeah. <laughs> I can attest to that. It takes me a good few. <laughs> right? Winter. But, yeah. But like he can just stop dead and like it just turns the defender left and right and inside out. He has he his just this ability to play the game in really small spaces, which I'd say is a nightmare for defenders. So like, it's just explosiveness he has. Um, yeah. Because like as a defender, if you're initially stopping a, a forward, you're thinking, brilliant, he's going to turn back maybe or recycle the ball. And likes of a Khan or a Clifford or even Wigan, that they back themselves again because they're just they're just so good. Like and mm-hmm. as a defender, you can only do so much in, in those positions. You're kind of looking for the Calgary to kind of come in behind and help you out a little bit. And I thought that's what Dublin did last really well in the other final. I know we're getting away, but you need that help because you're not going to stop a Khan in a one-on-one position constantly. It's just not going to happen. You could be the best defender the game's ever seen. It's just not Brian Stack happen. is Brian Stack is an excellent a player, like brilliant defender. He's an absolute, but but he really struggled because Khan was just left in that one-on-one space and he, and he got no help starting night. Yeah. Well, look, Dublin are moving well, which is good because Kerry coming to town in the next round is going to be a great one to watch. Can oh, we talk about right. Ross Common, though? And I think Davy Burke's comments afterwards, Eamon, will have a lot of people seem to be talking about this now. What he exactly said was we've trained 65 times. We've had our full squad together zero times. And that's a big problem. You can blame colleges, clubs, whoever you want. But if we want to compete at this level, then boys need to be on the field tomorrow morning. Simple as that. Is this just a frustrated manager who is letting it all out there or what do you think is going on? Because there's no doubt about it. These comments have picked up a lot of traction and I do wonder, is this something that's happening everywhere or is this a Ross Common problem? There there was a lot in this, uh, Jackie. I suppose the first thing I'd say is that um, people were saying about the 65 times. I, I presume, I'm only presuming that if you kind of average it out at five times a week, which a lot of teams will be doing in terms of gym and pitch, the three pitch sessions and the two gym sessions, 
most teams are doing that. That's kind of going back to 13 weeks you're talking about then. And if you factor in maybe a bit of a break around Christmas and that, you're going back to early November, an early November start. I'm not sure what the official date is, but that kind of is an early November start. Like if they were only doing three times a week, obviously it's going back months and months, which would be bananas. But I, I would imagine they have been doing that uh, kind of five time a week model for for a good while. Um, like, is there local, Eamon, would you think, is there local criticism that we may not know about that they haven't got enough done pre-season in some way that he might have been hinting at? Uh, possibly, but I, I'd say his, probably the point he was making, Rory, I'd say was just that, can you imagine we've trained this number of times, but we've never had our full squad together. Now, I wouldn't really consider that a big deal until until championship time. Yeah. You're to yeah. me, you're never going to have your full squad together early in the year. Even when it comes to the championship, if you've everyone together and injury-free, you know, you're doing very, very well because there's nearly always some couple of absentees. But the only kind of one of the comments that I found a bit strange was that they better be on the pitch tomorrow morning. Like, really? I was kind of thinking, Jesus, they're hardly, yeah. they're hardly training tomorrow morning after a hard game like that tonight. Now, maybe... The panel players that weren't involved in the Dublin game, they might have been doing some kind of a session in, on Sunday in uh, in Roscommon. But um, the rest of it, I didn't I didn't find it that that strange. But like I said, you're not going to have your whole group together. Now he's frustrated because yeah. of the same Bridget's players. Ben O'Carroll, I was in Tralee on Wednesday night for the Sigerson final. Ben O'Carroll was tagged off and got injured in the warm-up. So, you know, and it looks like I think they're saying that he could be out for a lot of the rest of the league. So that's a big blow to them. Um, so I understand maybe why he was a bit frustrated, but um, I'm not sure it all added up either. I think I, I do agree. I think it was complete frustration. And in, if you look at their performance overall as well, I think that just bubbled as well. I think it was it was just it was kind of rushing after the game. He's getting interviewed and it, it's probably just more the hot headedness. Um, and Damien Burke is very open about and we know that from last year when he's very open about his squad about performance about where they are as, as a squad and I suppose if you take the three rounds they've played so far they haven't been particularly that good uh, I know they've got a point against goal uh, in really tough conditions but they haven't been brilliant at all and um, like outside maybe in the Smith Saturday night it was brilliant I, I, he couldn't do much more himself I, I'd say the rest are cutting for straight figures and that that's really showed with David Burke because he's quite bubbly uh, in interviews he's quite happy-go-lucky and uh, that's the first real time I've seen him really angry about where, where they were as a squad and, and, and where they're at at the moment You know the difficulty is Rory when managers are open with the media we all welcome it and we say mm. it's great but then a fella comes out frustrated after a game and says something like that and then the he's reverse is going to happen. He's criticised yeah. for it. I, I think it's yeah. very difficult for him because particularly in a post-match situation, all four of us have been involved in those where they can be fraught, where, you know, somebody is really annoyed about what has happened on the pitch and it spills over. And then on one hand, I'm saying fair play to Davy Burke for trying to be open and expressing what's going on. And then on the other side, you're saying maybe keep this in-house. You'd be better served by doing that. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to know. It's a huge, it's a hugely difficult challenge from a manager to try and strike that balance. And, I mean, we're talking to one there who I I felt was always very good. Eamon was always very good. I think Eamon always answered questions honestly. He never 
you know, got too upset one way or the other. I think even in victory or defeat, I what I loved, I love Davy. I think Davy Burke is an asset to Gaelic football. He's a ball of positivity. He's a massive character. He's hugely positive. He's got a brilliant track record from his underage intercounty right into you know taking over Roscommon. I'm sure at some stage in the future he'll drift back into Kildare, and I'm sure we'll get on to talking about them at some stage. I think Dave, the, the the people like Davy Burke should be cherished because there's something genuine and sincere and warm about him. And, you know, and people are whinging and moaning now that they're saying, oh, he called out his players. I don't think he did. I think, look, there was an element of frustration on his part post-match. And that, that's, that, to me, that, 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 that to me is natural. That's a natural human reaction. Portra- and portra- yeah, when you're poor, when you're pouring yourself into yeah. something, and you're given this level of commitment and driving up and down the road and all those types of things, so no, look, I always felt Roscommon were going to struggle this year in Division One. It's an extremely competitive division. I think they were always going to be in the mix for relegation. I don't think it's Davy's fault. Damon mentioned about the stop-start nature of their pre-preparation and the Bridget's lads being missing and potentially a lot of lads out as well with Sigerson Cup duty and. All of those types of things, I'd say, probably boiled up into an element of frustration, which we saw post-match on Saturday night. But losing to Dublin and Croke Park, seven points in the end, I don't think that's going to define their season. They have a big game this weekend now, and I think we'll see where Mayo Ross Common really are at, because they need to get these two points on the board against Monaghan in the Hyde on Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. yeah, because yeah, look. I suppose that's really where everything's going to come into the mix. If you take, let's say, Monaghan at the weekend, then Eamon, another big defeat, 13 points this time by Derry, coming off the back of a, a nine-point defeat the previous week, albeit they got that great win against Dublin. These are the teams now who really need to start thinking about it. Those next round of games are huge because lose another game and suddenly you are in a relegation scrap, exactly like what Rory has just outlined for Ross Common. Monaghan are in a similar situation. They are, and that game now next weekend, it is one of those four-pointers that they're, mm. you're playing a team that are kind of in the same position as you, and you need to take the points off them to make sure you're going the right direction. And those two points in Manning got in Crow Park, the first night are becoming more and more valuable the further on the they go. On, yeah. They're comfortable in this position, Jackie. They're, they're yeah. in this nearly every year, you know, so it's, it's nothing new to them. And they are short a lot of players at the moment, and... I know all squads are and all squads are feeding players back in as you go through the weeks, but Monaghan are, are seriously sharp players. Plus, they ran into probably the farm team in the country uh, this weekend that are just operating at a very high level at the moment and are, you know, they're playing great stuff. They're, um, in fairness to Mickey Hart, I think we mentioned it maybe in the first podcasts of the year before the start of the league, we were saying that, you know, if he didn't get the couple of wins early on, what would the mood music be like in Derry? But the way they're playing, and I think they've they've won seven games in a row now, counting the um, um, McKenna Cup, uh, there's a serious momentum there. So there's a great energy about Derry within Derry now, which is positive for them. And um, a big thing that he's done is, I, I think, um, Mal McMullen had a, had a thing that the, he, Union Mulholland came on yesterday, and that's the eighth player to get a debut under Mickey Hart. And that was a thing that they had to do, that they had to fatten out their panel and they had to get more players with experience and they're doing that. So, you know, to be fair to Monaghan, they're short. It was a bit of a hiding. When the goals went in at the end, it probably gave gave the the the, the scoreline maybe a slightly fa- false reflection. But um, 
I'd also credit Derry with the way Derry are going at the moment. How, they're, how, they're playing how good? How good were those goals? Whoa. Brady Benders. Absolutely. I mean, McGogan's yeah. goal is one of the best Racker. goals I've seen. Oh, like, yeah, but their, mean, run, their running game has to be the best running game in the country at the moment. But see, the yeah. thing with them, they, 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 they go together. It's not the goal in ones and two. They, they are so happy to tackle the group. Uh, and the level of trust with that is, is immense. And it's not, they did something similar last year, but like even this year again, it's that trust is in all go, we're all going together and we'll all defend together. It's, it's it's really impressive and like scoring three seventeen in Division One game is no easy feat either at uh, this time of year. And they the are lucky as well. The, the oh, fitness yes. levels are off the charts, like crazy. I, but again, and, and I I do like the point you made, Eamon, is that it was always going to be the question that was going to put them that squad depth. Uh, and and what Mickey has done, which has probably been the most impressive thing, is that he's given eight debuts to guys now who've got game time in Division One. That's only going to stay them well later in the year, and and it won't be a question then over. That, that kind of 15, 16, 17 player mark, at least they have the 22 players, 23 players that they can call upon because they've got this experience, they've got this game time now and Mickey can trust them. That's the thing. I, th- I think maybe the last couple of years they couldn't trust some of those guys coming in because they were so bare in the squad where now is they're getting in, they're getting game time and they're playing really well. They look really comfortable uh, and what a shape we get. I mean, 11 points is just, he's okay. carrying on that carrying on that form from last year again. Like if you're looking at elite boards, like he is right up there at the top bracket at the moment. He was just brilliant again on Saturday night. And yeah. Jackie, and it's only a little over four years ago. And you think of it four years, right? In real terms, not a long time. It's basically a World Cup cycle. A little over four years ago, they were playing Leitrim in a Division 4 final. You know, Garrett McKinless and um, Brendan Rogers, Chrissy, Chrissy McCaig, they all played that day. I mean, and here they are now, the number one ranked team in the country as things stand. It's some transformation. They've undergone a couple of different management iterations in the meantime. But I think it speaks volumes of the squad and the character within the panel of players that their trajectory just keeps going in one direction. And it's but, but they're so happy so to operate win individual. They're not going to go after this league in a big way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not shying away from it. And Mickey made that clear. McKenna Cup take they want to win division one or, or go as far as it is possible. Uh, so they're, they're making no bones about it. They want to win every competition. And I was listening to Connor Glass interview a few weeks ago exact same conversation they they want to be as competitive or as close as possible to winning everything uh, and i thought it was refreshing to hear from player uh, especially of his caliber as well yeah well it's working for them that's for yeah. sure what about some of the other teams that are chasing them because no doubt about it Eamon, this weekend Galway needed the points they got them huge huge win for them against Tyrone and Oma and fully deserved as well based on what i saw yeah it was a kind of a, a gritty win they they grounded out um Jackie because um, it, it, it was a kind of a strange game. Um, it was, you know, it, it didn't seem to have a huge pace to it and both sides were defending in mass numbers. They were attacking kind of slowly. Um, there were some highlights. I, th- I thought Niall Morgan was outstanding for Tyrone. Superb. I think. Absolutely. Like a quarterback. Oh, that seems yeah, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely, like, look, we've always admired him and he, he he's, he's a good goalkeeper, but he seems to be Taking his his general play and everything he's doing from saving to kickouts, <clears throat> to he's saving points. He's saving games. points now as well. Yeah. You know? And the little yeah, chip was... through as well. It's just oh, awesome. he, two, he two points, two assists, a goal save, and he popped one that was going over the bar. Like he was just and, and the, the 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 point he got in the first half where he drove through the middle like that was he was inside the twenty one thinking a goal. He was <laughs> half thinking a goal. There was. 
It was uh, it was it was great play, and like you said, the point, uh, the way he grabbed the point. But Galway will be delighted with those two points, and Parik Joyce as Galway have always had a, a good record against the Ulster teams. Um, again, they're you know they're down a lot of big bodies, and they're down a lot of their big players. But it's good to see some of the um other lads standing up. Um, you know, Carl Sweeney that goal that was a great goal, and it was Brilliant obviously goal. a crucial score. And I particularly liked the way. He took the the second solo to kind of steady himself, yeah. really get into this because he could have slightly rushed the shots, but it was very composed and uh, it was a great finish. And Daniel O'Flaherty, when he came on as well, Brilliant. like he could have nearly got man of the match after coming on as a sub. He was he was outstanding. The impact Brilliant. he had, yeah. So and, um, it's, it's no coincidence though. Sean Kelly came on before the minute. God, I looked so much more comfortable. Uh, I, I felt just it's just his presence in that team, uh, and I've been echoing it for a year now. That he is, he is the leader of that team. He is the, the the best player for me by by a long way. Just just everything about him is just so good. And another guy that I don't think gets tagged enough for Galway is Johnny Heaney. Superb. I thought he had a, put a brilliant shift in the air. So he kicked two brilliant points in the second half, and and from start to finish, I just thought he was everything that kind of emphasised what Galway what Galway needed. Uh, and I was very harsh to go particularly in red one, because that's not how I would associate going over the years. Um, we played them in any game. It was always super competitive. But I just thought your say their their attitude in that game uh, just told me a different story. They've got the goal they are looking for different players, but they got the right reaction from certain guys and, and Johnny Heaney particularly emphasized that. Uh, it, even the dirty ball that he won yesterday, Lee, is something that we haven't seen from Galway yet this year. They just did not look yeah. like they were up for the fight. But yesterday, they just looked like a different beast altogether, which is good because I think Porrick Joyce probably needed to see that from them. He was getting to the point where he was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting enough from them. Yeah, well, I thought it was fascinating. He was interviewed after. I mean, he called in Kieran Malloy for his performance and how flat he was. And he said he gave him five minutes after second and second half and he whipped him. He just said he wasn't doing enough for him. And, that's the sign of a guy putting pressure on his players. So um, it, to us, as much as we want to have a rivalry goalie, I think it's really healthy them competing at a really high level because, as I said, I would have challenged their leadership from round one and even round two, they got a draw, I know that. But but to see the likes of Daniel Flaherty, Johnny Healy come back in and play really well, Paul Connery has to put in a good shift, uh, Sean Kelly come back. Now, all of a sudden, the talk has swung from poor old Galway and where they are now, all of a sudden, they've picked up two points or they're three points now. They can start planning better for the year ahead now and they get the likes of Shane Welsh back, they get the likes of Comer back, Kelly McDade. You're talking elite players for Gala that makes such a difference to their to their all Ireland potential. It's not just league. So I think Yersay, I think Pork probably really put the pressure on those guys Yersay. And I think he'd be delighted with the, the reaction, but but also that dirty ball, the, the, the stick in their heads in where, where, where they weren't seeing that in the first two rounds. So um things are looking just a little bit brighter for Gala as a result of uh, yesterday. Yeah, they picked definitely. up two points. They picked up two points, Jackie, but they picked up a couple of key injuries again. Mm. Matthew Tierney, well. and Matthew Tierney specifically, Lee is like that's the only worry that you know he seems to be getting a couple of lads out of the treatment room, and they seem to be passing a couple of other lads on the way in. Now, look, the modern intercounty game maybe because of the condensed nature of the, the fixtures, it, it's probably going to be the case where you'll never have a full deck to pick from yeah. all of the time anyway. Um, I, I mean, we mentioned Dublin. One player who came on for Dublin actually was Brian Howard. He had an extremely bad injury. He was out yeah. for an awful long time. It was good to see him back. But you kind of get lads back and you might lose a couple of lads and maybe that's just the way of intercounty football. Yeah. But Matthew Tierney getting... No, we don't know how serious that is, and obviously it'll come out in the wash in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, that would be the only 
But it's, it's definitely it's definitely muscle injury in there. It, yeah. it looked like a bad hamstring. Just the, just the way he went down clutching his hamstring because he seemed to put a lot of force into that kick. Into that and, kick I, yeah. and as a result, we weren't talking about the turning injury. We were probably talking about Nine Morgan's brilliance as a result from, from that forty-five. Do you know? So it was a funny old kind of episode. But hopefully it's not serious. But 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 he is a big mainstay player for those as well. Yeah, fingers crossed he'll be all right. Let's move on to Division 2 then, uh, lads, because good to see Hugh McFadden back on the pitch, speaking of people who were coming back. So for Donegal, three wins from three, even getting him back on the pitch, the positives just are not ending for Jim McGuinness, Eamon. He's got to be in a really happy position. The way that they're playing, the scores they're putting up, 216 again this weekend, another big score because he's just, I think he's always said, we're not trying to win Division 2, we're just trying to build a group of players. He, he has to be happy with what he's seen so far. He is, and I thought his comments afterwards were interesting, um, Jackie, from the point of view. He spoke about um, the Fermanagh goalkeeper, Ross Bogue, how he troubled him. And uh, I know Darrow Wheel got a great goal and he he lobbed him and all of that, but I think what, what Jimmy Guinness was getting at was that by Ross Bogue coming out the pitch because he's an outfield player for, for his club, he was he Donegal had to kind of adapt and they weren't able to press as high as they had been in the other games and they ended up especially in the first half they ended up playing with a lot of bodies behind the ball and sitting very deep and trying to hit them in the counter attack. Um, now they got joined the second half, especially when they got when they went after the Fermanagh kick out with Fermanagh against the breeze. But it was almost like he was thinking out loud that this is a, this is a hole in our game plan. And this is something that we're going to have to try and work on in terms of how how we deal with it. Because you mentioned that they're trying to build the squad. I think his eyes are just completely fixed on Derry in the Ulster Championship. That's all he's thinking about. And they're one of the best teams with Oren Lynch coming out as that extra player coming out. And they're brilliant. As we spoke about their athleticism already and driving forward the numbers. So that's really going to test the, the, the Donegal press so I thought that was interesting from him. Now he so he could be thinking so far ahead. It could be kind of a double bluff. He could be kind of uh, almost uh, luring Derry into some kind of a trap. But I think Mickey Hart is too cute for that anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it it was an interesting comment, and it was just like it was something that he was trying to figure out how are we going to do it and whether they try and push Patton out at their side and maybe push a man further up so they can go after the opposition keeper, but. Even playing our man next weekend now, uh, Ethan Rafferty still hasn't been back in goals, Blaine Hughes in goals. But if Ethan Rafferty was there, it would be a great test of the Donegal system trying to deal with the likes of him coming out. It answer your question then, Eamon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, he generally does have the answer to these questions, though, Lee. Like that, that I think that's what's most fascinating about Jim McGuinness. One is that he wasn't asked about that. He brought that up himself. Yeah. You know, he was talking specifically about here's the things that I learned, you know, and that's what's always fascinating to listen to him because he's constantly thinking, how do I change the game? How do I change the game? And he's doing it. I'm sure he's changed the whole persona and doing all within how many months, you know, their their whole attitude towards football in contrast this time last year, like he, he basically is the Messiah in Donegal. He, he has a meeting out of his hand. Whatever he says or whatever he wants, uh, they will just do it for him. Uh, and that's just a sign of a of a trust they have within Jim McGuinness. But I'd say his brain does be exploding of different ways of looking and discussing. And I, I do agree. I thought it was fascinating. That was the first thing he kind of brought up post-game was, was around the keeper and not around... There are wheels performance or how they're playing or looking at points. It's 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 how he's he's wired. Um 
but I think this weekend will will tell a tale in, in terms of Donegal. They're, they're going to meet a, a, an absolutely ferocious Armagh team at the weekend. Um, so that'll tell us probably a bigger picture of, of how they're looking at uh, their season. I know he's saying he doesn't want to win Division 2. I, I still... I still think he's thinking that he wants promotion to Division 1. That's where Donegal need to be. Um, but I would agree. I think this weekend will tell the tale, but he's also looking down to the Derry game in terms of what's his best approach, what's his best system, what's his best structure. We know what it is at the moment, but if there's any deviation around that, how can they set up to, to adapt to that? So um, he just, uh, I just think having Jim McGinnis back in, in championship or in football is just brilliant. Uh, he mm. gives us so much to talk about. He just, yeah. He's just brilliant. He's just brilliant. He does. And I have one small. I have Jackie. I have one small little bugbear though that I wouldn't mind throwing in there, and it's great that we have Eamon on because we had this discussion. I think at the beginning of the league, it's just this fly keeper thing. Now I know Eamon, and I think it might have been Enda at the time who were making the point. Look, the plus one advantage that it gives you in terms of getting out from behind a press, and you made the case for it when Oren Lynch got caught. I think by Kerry on the very first week. Twice, but maybe only one goal came from it. And we saw it again this weekend. And like, if you look at that game, like it was eight, I think Fermanagh were 6 4 up after 20 minutes. Fermanagh actually started this game quite well. But they were 6 4 up. Yeah. And the game was tightish. And about five minutes into the second half, keeper goes walkies. Daryl Boyle kicks it into an empty net. And the game's two nine to six points within about three minutes. And the game's over, busted. But it came about and it was kick started with the keeper going walkies and basically lads being able to kick balls into empty nets. Now, I know what, I know what Eamon is saying, right? And I have to obviously defer to the manager here, but I'm just not sold on the risk reward. I'm not. We wouldn't be talking about Nine Morgan though, in the same context though, for his performance. Did you mm-hmm. know what? So I can't argue in some aspect. I know Eamon has yeah. his, his view of it, but like a lot of the keepers and I were associated today are right feet players for their club. You know, so that's that's the way teams are setting up at the moment. Um, it is a full risk reward. I, I think sometimes that when you do suffer as well, it, it's such a hot topic or a hot discussion. Uh, but I'd be more inclined to look at how like Morgan is playing the keeper role and how well he does it. Uh, from from my point of view, yeah. Yeah, and another version, Rory, to for you to be pondering over is <laughs> what what Colum Reap does. I like yeah. I like I like that that yeah. he. He he kind of um the last night now in the first half you couldn't see it on the camera. I tried to highlight it once, but you couldn't see it on the camera where David Clifford was one and one inside and there was a lot of space in front of him and Kerry were about to launch a counter-attack and Colm Reed played as a sweeper directly yeah. in front of, of David Clifford. And Interesting, yeah. He took away that initial dangerous kick that could have been put inside and the Kerry lads uh, kind of rotated outside then, and when the danger was gone, Colm Reap went back into goals. But I, t- I, I, he did it a bit last year as well, and I just think it's a good, it's a good innovation from the point of view. He's still close to home if he needs to get back in goals, but he just takes away that initial kick. Um, and uh, that was, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting one. Niall Morgan does that at times as well. Yeah. He, he he bursts out and got one in the corner back position uh, yesterday as well, but. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still far at Rory. Yeah, maybe maybe it's because maybe it's because I watch I watch a lot of club football obviously these days, and I see club teams obviously <laughs> trying to ape inter-county teams, and they just can't do it as well. Really and I'm going, will you stop? Yeah, it's good to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, shout exactly. out to your keeper, Rory, or the chairman. You can you can talk to him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, one listen, no, no one listens to me, Eamon. Yeah. Uh, right. Come here. We're going to run out of time on the matches yeah. before we move to a couple Sorry. of these others. And there are some big things to chat about because I do want to talk about what's happening in Kildare as well, Lee. A 14-point defeat at the weekend, but I think the bigger talking point is, again, what happened afterwards with Glenn Ryan. We had chatted on the podcast last week about his comments, um, the county board chairman, Mick Gorman's comments, saying that the performance just weren't good enough on the pitch. Glenn Ryan, in the aftermath of the game, seemed to suggest that those comments weren't reported correctly. The journalist in question, who had originally reported these comments, was actually in the huddle and said, I have the tape, I can play it to you led to a bit of a heated exchange. Suffice it to say, it's adding to the pressure cooker situation that they're in because the defeat is compounded by this. Everybody's talking about it again. And even Kieran McGinney is being asked about it afterwards. Yeah. It's not a situation that they want to be in. It's a complete mess, Jackie, to be honest. An absolute mess. Um, but but in some regards, it, it doesn't surprise me at this stage because I, I, I feel last year, because they had one big performance um, against Roscommon in in, in last year's championship that that kind of papered over a lot of these issues or cracks um and this year now all of a sudden they just they've been finding it bad like even the way they're playing jackie they look so ponderous um it really doesn't look like they have a clue what's going on in the pitch um the mess off the pitch it's it's it's, it's sad to see because Kildare, again we talk about the population they have and, and the success of 20s it's not kind of coming through as a result and it's a shame because I don't know. Someone made the point: Is this just a result of of the dominance of Dublin for so long that that now they just don't really care? I I don't know anymore. But like even that whole mess now with Glenn Ryan blaming a reporter versus like you're on a bit air and a dirty laundry. That's the kind of stuff you don't want to be coming out. You know, your county board and your manager need to have some tight relationship around what's going on or control. And I just feel now that it it just me versus him or them versus them again it's, it's just too messy from my point of view and, and as a result results are, are atrocious performance is atrocious and it's not great it's just not good for from what's meant to be a top tier team Um, at the moment they're so subdued in terms of what they are in terms of performance in terms of what they're looking at clarity seems to be non-existent as well so I'm very disappointed with the whole headlines this morning on that side around the whole clear issue to be honest what do you make of what's going on Eamon yeah, look, there's two things, Jackie. I think Lee touching it there. First of all, I think that relationship between the the county chairman and the and the manager it has to be tight. It has to be. It can be a very honest relationship, but it has to be a, a kind of a private relationship. And as a manager, particularly if things are going against you and things are going against the team, you can be quite isolated because. The playing group obviously will be very, you know, united and will have each other's backs and so on. But as the as the kind of, I suppose, person, the front of house person, you can be quite isolated and you need the chairman, your chairman to have your back publicly. And if they look in any setup, there's always going to be hard, honest conversations yeah. behind the scenes, but there's no need for those to be put into the public domain. So you know, I, I would have sympathy for, for Glenn Ryan in that regard, that those comments that came out from uh, Mick Gorman last week. Um, the thing then from Glenn's point of view, look, when you're losing, you you have to bite your lip. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I know we mentioned Davy Barker earlier on, and it's, it's great to have the honesty. I always liked after games, I've said this before, that I went to, I spoke to the players always before I spoke to the media uh, I never spoke to the media before I give myself a chance to gather myself because straight after a game, 
the emotions can be there. And I know it makes great TV or radio or, or anything else if you grab a person in the moment. But from the manager's own point of view, I think they're better off if they give if they give themselves a minute and give themselves a beat just to get to gather themselves. But for for Glenn, you know, to be going at fellas inside in a scrum of journalists at the moment yeah. when you're losing games, it's I understand where it's coming from. I understand why it's happening, but it's it's not helpful to either himself or to the group. And and if he had a beef with that journalist, you know, pick up the phone or, or have a chat with him privately. But um, certainly when everyone else was there, I didn't I didn't think it was a great look. And it's just a position they're in at the moment. They need to get a win and they need to get a bit of positivity back into the setup. But uh, they're, is low, low, they're in a hard place. But, it, but if you if you take it though, Rory, the difference there between what's happening, in, I would say Kildare and Cork are in a very similar position here, right? If you listen to John Cleary's comments after the games, it seems like he's taken Eamon's approach. He's gone in, he's had a chat with the lads, he's come out and said, look, we weren't good enough. We've backed ourselves into a corner. We've put ourselves in this hole and we are the ones who are going to take ourselves out of it. And listen, it might just be idle talk, but it seems to me like two of these teams could still end up going down anyway and playing in Talton Cup. But I do think your, I, I suppose your feeling outside of how you're viewed is like the only people who know what's actually happening yeah. are the people who are in the dressing room and they are the most important ones to get this message right to. Yeah, and... I think the, John Cleary should be ringing Glenn and saying thanks a million because you're taking the heat right off me at the minute. <laughs> you know, um, the the funny thing about Kildare for me, look, we don't know what's going on within their senior men's intercounty setup. We just simply don't know, so we can't really comment on that. But if you're to look at a, a county as a whole, they're in the midst of a massive overhaul of. Um, Newbridge of St. Conlitz Park, which will be incredible. It's a very impressive redevelopment that's going on there. They have made huge strides at underage. Talk about Dublin dominance. Well, that's not on an underage level. Kildare have given Dublin plenty of it um, at, at minor and under 20. They're the current under 20 champions. NACE CBS have been very consistent at Hogan Cup level and Leinster Colleges. So they're producing players year on year. They've made huge strides in hurling. They've made absolutely massive strides in hurling as well. So if I was standing back, I'd say, you know, the global picture in, in Kildare as a GA county is largely a healthy one. What's going on with the men's senior inter-county football team seems to be a, an acute case. And there does seem to be something amiss. What it is, none of us really know. But look, I think it goes back to the point that Wheeler made last week. You probably now isn't the time for recrimination and accusation and county board officials making any kinds of statements because it's just not helpful. Um, and it's it's the similar it's a similar situation in Cork. Now Cork have plenty of their own problems too, so that's slightly more complicated. And uh, in fairness to John, he is managing a very bad situation as well. Three defeats. Cork have played five inter-county hurling and football matches and lost them all. So things aren't going great down there either. So, mm. look, I think from Kildare's perspective, you, they have a great opportunity next week. It's a local derby against Meath, but they need to turn things around really it'd be, quickly. It'd be very interesting if they do get relegated. They What type of interest would that gather? Would, yeah. would, would they take Talgic Cup, like say like Meath last year, would they, would they really go for it? Or will the team retract and not, not invest? 
what Mead did last year. I, I think that'll be the more fascinating issue later in the year is, is if Kildare do the way they're going, uh, how they approach a talented up later in the year, the way things are going, it wouldn't be too great to, to, to look at. Yeah, I wonder, they won't be the only county thinking about that. Let's finish off on Cork then because we will run out of time here, Eamon. They have to go to Fermanagh next week. Then they've got Kildare at home, Mead away and Armagh at home. They're going to have to win minimum two of those games. Um, and even at that, they might still find themselves in bother. I just, at what point is this a crisis for Cork? Is it now? Um, yeah. Are we, are, we, are we mobilizing Marty? <laughs> <laughs> Marty was mobilized that time. <laughs> 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 No, I like I, I, I just don't know what to make of Cork. I can't I just cannot figure it out uh, genuinely that with the with the squad of players that they have and with the management team that they have, I just can't figure out why they're not doing better. Um I saw Kieran McCarthy had had a stat on it and he said that Cork since getting relegated in twenty sixteen uh, from Division One in 2016, they've they've been in. I think they've spent one year in Division Three, but the other five or six were yeah. in Division Two. They've only won five out of 19 matches in Division Two. In that in, at, in that at home, at home, or is that yeah at home yeah. yeah yeah at home five out of 19. So I mean that that's like we're we're constantly waiting for them to come and we're kind of scratching our heads, but there's a, a persistent pattern there over a period of time. So you're right, Jackie. They need look. The one thing that's in their favor is that those teams, Fermanagh, Meath, Kildare, uh, Armagh, is a different kettle of fish. They're going well and they're at the top end of the table. But those other three teams are teams that they can kind of pull into a relegation battle with them. But that's where they're at. They're in a relegation course, relegation battle. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah. I, I would. I, I would. I would say Cork. You know, as bad as Cork a bit. I. I, I think. People here forget how good Cavan have been in Division Two. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, so you're looking at the trajectory of teams and where they're going. And I'd be like you, Eamon, I, I can never figure out Cork. And I don't think I'll ever will, to be honest. Um, similar to Kildare, I just don't know what it is. It's very hard to pinpoint. But if you're looking at it, the opposite then way, Cavan have been absolutely brilliant in Division Two. We're lucky against Donegal. Probably lucky enough and then at the weekend to get the result, but they got it. And a lot, a lot of people were wondering how Cavan would, would, would react in, in Division Two. And they had a fucking brilliant performance. Paddy Lynch who kicked nine points the weekend. I I think Cavan are really riding at the crest wave. After and to the be junior. fairly, so even like, even the game that they lost against Donegal, they only lost by a point. point. They were mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I do think sometimes we nearly focus too much on on the course players and how bad they've been. But then you look at the likes of a Cavan who's back in Division Two under Raymond Gallagher, first year in charge of them. I I think that's a brilliant story to be honest. Um, and one that. They're, they're really and it's probably great for them because no one's no one's really talking about them too often, but they're getting results, they're getting performances, and it's a sign of of, of a brilliant team that's doing the right stuff. Uh, maybe Cork and Kildare could look at that that story in, in in some way and see what what's going on or what's been done right there. Mm. Yeah, look, we have we, to make we 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 didn't get we didn't get the win, Jackie. So we'd have to make do with a BAFTA this weekend. It's not yeah, a bad look, tra- it's not a yeah. bad it's not a Listen, bad trade off. We're uh you know we're we're a, <laughs> a multi-purpose county, you know. Yeah, and a great <laughs> speech to be fair. Yeah, yeah, in fairness. Yeah. yeah. Uh look, lads, we're gonna have to leave it there. There's just so many stories uh to get to there. So huge win for me as well this weekend. We will talk about them on the podcast on Thursday as we look ahead to the weekend. But Eamon Lee, thanks a million for being with us. And yes. to everybody listening, have a great weekend. Enjoy wherever you're going. We'll be back on Thursday. Thursday to look ahead and preview everything that is coming at you. We'll talk to you then. Oh, he's got, there's the whistle, it's over.